What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody, welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. This is the first of a 10-part series in which we preview every single unit on USC's football team going into spring camp. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We do this every year, aka this is our second year doing this. I don't know if we can say every year, but hopefully we'll be doing this every year in which we look at USC and the roster going into spring camp, break down the roster, break down the big battles to watch, and every single unit is going to be 10 episodes of these. They're going to be about 20 to 25 minutes each, dropping every single day, Monday through Friday, for the next two weeks, leading into spring camp, which starts on March 5th. Can you believe that spring camp's already here, basically? I feel like normally the gap, the break in stuff happening around USC feels a little longer than this one did, but it's not any shorter than it was last year. I just feel like January was so weird this year and... Every year we get caught off guard by how quickly things start to turn and come. And and basically from here until August isn't almost every episode of Rainer Radio that we do going to be like a, can you believe it's already March? Can you believe it's already It's an embarrassing trope that we do. I know. (laughs) But it's true. But like, you know, we can't avoid that fact that these things just come up much more quickly than we're prepared for them. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so all of these episodes for the next 10 days are going to drop over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. If you're already subscribed to Patreon, you know that. You know the game. You know how it works. If you are not, now is the time to sign up for as little as five fifty five a month. Patreon.com slash Reign of Troy is where you can subscribe and get all of the bonus episodes. And we're making this episode free over on iTunes, so you probably listen to this on iTunes as well. So once you get done with it, if you love it, if you like it, if you dig it, if you think that you would be interested in all this stuff going forward for every unit move on over to patreon patreon.com slash reign of troy alicia let's get right into this talk about the quarterbacks up next A lot of stuff to break down here, because I don't know about you, but I feel like last year wasn't a good quarterback year. Am I going out on a limb there? I don't think so. It was not. Uh, it was arguably the worst year for USC quarterback performance since this century? We'll, I would we'll I think easily, easily you could, of this century. You can speak more to the quarterback play in the year 2000 and 2001 than I can. Uh, because obviously, from two thousand two onward, right. things go pretty well. Uh, I, I think I think we're we're going back to Carson Palmer's early years for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, think you that's can fair. you can look at the the two thousand nine Matt Barkley as a true freshman year, which when you actually look at the numbers, I wrote about this on Rana Troy uh, at the end of last week. That when you look at the numbers, J T Daniels' freshman numbers and Matt Barkley's freshman numbers are very, very, very similar extraordinarily similar in fact they're they're right there within a, just a couple points of each other in pre- pretty much every measure um so Matt Barkley certainly didn't have a stellar first year but 
I think, uh, and this is some of the commentary that, that we've gotten on that article, the eye test was a little bit different with Barkley. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Barkley's, the team around Barkley in 2009 was so much more stable than the team around JT uh, in, in 2018. But still, that's the only other year you can sort of look at and say that the quarterback play was as shaky as as this past year. Yeah, and that 2009, you know, season for Barkley wasn't that great. Um, and I remember thinking that Barkley was pretty shaky his first two years before getting into 2011, which is obviously the best year of his career. But we, we've talked about it before. The, the numbers that Barkley put up are drastically different than what he would put up this year or, you know, last year because the game has evolved. I mean, I think that you just look at those numbers uh, that Barkley had back in 2009. He was 211 of 352, completing 59.9% of his passes for 2,735 yards uh, and 15 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, a passer rating of 131.32. In 2009, that passer rating alone ranked 49th. In 2018, that passer rating would have ranked 65th. And I'm surprised it's even that close because I feel like the numbers have just completely changed for what a good passer rating is. I mean, you just look at the last two years, um, what Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield have done to just shatter records. Tua Tagovailoa sets the record just barely ahead of Kyler Murray for 2018 with a passer rating of 199.44, right? Compare that to 2009, the best passer rating was 164.17. That's a huge gap, right? That's a 35-point gap that was essentially the gap that Mark, Matt Barkley was off of the lead uh, in 2009 from Tim Tebow at 164.17. So the the numbers have drastically changed. So I think that that's why last year at this time we were expecting JT Daniels to be way better than Matt Barkley in terms of production, just because the game is simpler, passing routes are simpler, the offenses are more advanced, there's more spread concepts that are making the game easier for passers. It should be a lot simpler. You should be able to complete more than 60% of your passes now. You should be able to get more yards. You should be able to do all these things. And yet JT Daniels didn't. I mean, you you look at his numbers, 59.5% completion percentage. Not good in, in 2018. I think that if you're below 60, that's, that's cringeworthy now. And it wouldn't have been that case, you know, 15 years ago. Well, I think that's why I think the, the idea of the eye test Sometimes it does match up with the numbers, right? And and you know, you have to if you if you know how to read numbers, you can understand how they can riff off of each other. So when you point out that quarterbacks today are just performing putting in numbers that are much better than they were 10 years ago, which that was, then Daniels's numbers do look not great at all and they and they match up with the eye test where Barkley didn't have a, a great freshman season, but he he looked better than JT did in 2018. The question, and this is what I wrote about on, on Rana Troy, is can Daniels take a step up the way that Barkley took a step up separate from where they would have ranked in national rankings and all that kind of stuff as a sophomore? And I agree with you, Barkley didn't have a, a stellar sophomore season, but he took a step forward You were where you were starting to see where the efficiency was going to come together. Um, he, he, his, his touchdown to interse- interception ratio vastly improved from year one to year two. And when you're USC and you're looking at JT Daniels going into spring camp, assuming that he can win the starting job, then you're looking at, well, he needs to turn 14 touchdowns to 10 interceptions into 25 
26, 27 touchdowns to, you know, eight, nine interceptions or, you know, even more prolific numbers than that. He needs to be in the area of throwing 30 touchdowns in a season because that's not abnormal these days for a starting quarterback to to be up in those numbers. Uh, that's that's got it got to be kind of a minimum of what USC is looking for from these quarterbacks this year whoever it is that becomes the starter yeah you look at the numbers 45 different quarterbacks in 2018 through 20 touchdowns and JT Daniels didn't get to 15 he was at 14 14 touchdowns 10 picks for JT in 2018 compare that to Barkley who was at 15 and 14 in 2009 so the eye test wasn't there. Why was the eye test not there? I think the things that we saw that you didn't like from JT were things like him throwing off his back foot a lot, him, you know, forcing things to receivers, him, you know, trying to get too many things going, kind of locking on to his receivers. All those freshman mistakes that you see, but also things that could have been avoided, I, I think, that at times too, in which SC just kept relying on him to make plays. When they didn't have to. And I think that's the main difference between Barkley in 2009 and JT Daniels in 2018. Is that SC relied on Daniels way more than SC relied on Barkley back then. And when we look at JT going into spring, uh, which is you know the point of this whole podcast, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits into the new offense uh, with Graham Harrell calling the plays and all that stuff. What are you looking for, JT, this spring to consider it a step in the right direction? Because it's going to be a work in progress. I think that, you know, all the quarterbacks, all four of them who are going to be there in camp, and we're going to talk about all four of them just now, they're all going to have a learning curve in this offense. So I don't think you can expect perfection or anything. I don't think that's fair. But what do you need? What do you need to see? The trouble with this spring is that what I need to see from JT, I don't think they can possibly simulate in practice uh, because my expectations for JT this this spring is to come in and learn this offense, this new Graham Harrell offense right away because we know he has that in, in, incredible football mind, that incredible um, IQ, sort of football IQ that, that lets him grasp these things so quickly and, and sort of be immersed in it. I expect to see him grasp this offense quickly. I expect to see him, um, you know, go out there and, and be making the right decisions in practice and slinging the ball around the way that he was in that in in fall camp this past year. the The big question for JT is going to be when the going gets rough, when he's under pressure, when the game is on the line, when um, you know he, he needs to be making the right decisions, when the bullets are firing to steal a to steal a Heltonism. Uh, that's going to be the thing that determines whether or not he improves his game from year one to year two. And like I said, I don't know if they're going to be able to simulate that in in practice. So JT is is just going to have to do there and basically go out there and replicate what he did in the fall to lock down the, to lock down the starting job. And, and and I I kind of expect him to thrive in practice because we've seen him do so. Yeah, when you're able to get protection. Uh, I think that'll help, and I think that one thing that SC is going to want to do in this spring is install the offense, which is going to mean that there's not going to be those bullets flying around, which you would assume would mean more you know, passing drills and whatnot, which will allow him to really thrive. And there's a reason he won the competition, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I said, what he did in fall camp won him the starting job, and 
And if all he has to do is kind of replicate that performance, I guess if there's one thing that he could do this spring that really will help him going into the fall and going into into the, the season is build up more of a chemistry with the receivers at his disposal. You saw him be able to lean on Amon Ross St. Brown at times this past season, but he and Tyler Vons, they it didn't feel like they were really on the same page all the time. JT did build up a nice rapport with Michael Pittman, but you can always make that stronger. He can build up a rapport with uh, with uh, Devin Williams. He can build up a rapport with Valus Jones in this new offense, figure out where he wants to go um, as, as far as the timing with his receivers in perhaps sort of new route trees that they're going to... I expect USC to be doing a little bit some different things with the receivers as far as the routes that they're running and, and the bread and butter kind of stuff. And so establishing that chemistry is going to be a really big part of this offseason as well from a, a JT and, and the receivers perspective. 100%. And when you talk about the battle, let, let's get into it. It's going to be Matt Fink and Jack Sears pushing JT Daniels, just like they did last fall. We saw the three horse race then. It was ultimately JT Daniels, obviously, who won it. But Jack Sears got a start in 2018, starting in the ASU game, a game in which SC kind of gave away at the end with Nikhil Harry having a big uh, punt return for a touchdown that ultimately swung the momentum of the game and won the game for the Sun Devils. But in that game, Jack Sears, 20 of 28, threw for 335 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He looked fantastic. His quarterback rating was 165.5. You would take that any day of the week out of a redshirt freshman quarterback and then some. That's what you want to see. And I think that's what a lot of people clamored for him afterwards. How much of that was the game plan and how much of that is just what you expect? Because I remember last fall, uh, during the fall camp, you talked about he's someone who's erratic. He's going to have days in which he looks fantastic. He's going to have days in which he looks like he's not that good. And that's what you expect out of a freshman quarterback because they are always going to be erratic in that sense. Yeah, well, that this is the big question for Jack Sears. That small sample size looked so good and it, it may be... It may be evidence that Jack Sears is a game, a game, like a gamer as opposed to a practice player, a guy who shines brightest when he's thrown into the, into that moment, into those pressures and, and just has the light turn on there where his practice performances don't actually, don't always step up to that level. But it's a small sample size too. Like you, if he had played the next week, it's just as likely that he could have gone out there and laid an egg because that's who Jack Sears is. He's the the quarterback who's going to wow you one day, and then the next day you're going to go look at it, look at him, and go just like, what happened to you, Jack? Like, wh- why are all these passes floating, you know, twenty yards in the wrong direction? Uh, that that's the thing that that was always my concern with him. And this spring, it's going to be a, a tough challenge for him to rein in that consistency and put in day after day after day prove that he can that that he can go out and give you something that you can know what to expect from him day after day because I understand the the idea of if you're a head coach if you're a coach you're making the decision of putting him out there or not there's a good reason to not put him out there if you can't guarantee that you're going to get a steady level from him if 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 the lows could be as low as they possibly are uh, the other problem for for Jack Sears potentially is Brian Ellis talking to the media this past year hinted uh, or, I mean, basically said that as much as Jack Sears looked impressive in practice at times, 
what the media and other observers weren't seeing from him was what was essentially holding him back from from being higher on the depth chart. And that was his understanding of the scheme, his understanding of the offense, his performance in in quarterback meetings and in the and and uh, you know the the non physical side of the game. And with Graham Harrell coming in and teaching them a new scheme, his ability to grasp it as quickly as possible is going to be a really is is going to play a big role in whether or not he actually competes for a starting job this year. And if there's one thing that gives me pause about him getting in the way of JT Daniels returning as a starter it's that mem- the memory of what Brian Ellis talked about but then again he's a y- another year older another year of experience uh, under his belt and maybe having a different voice in his ear maybe being in this different system will benefit him in terms of the understanding of it all but that's he's going to have to prove that yeah and it's also going to be a simpler offense which could change things there too so it's hard to get a read on that i think and so Jack Sears, you have to assume, would have, you know, a chance to, you know, take over JT Daniels if he's able to have a good spring and ultimately a good fall camp. But Matt Fink's right there, too. And Matt Fink was number two on the depth chart last season. We saw him in, you know, mop-up duty against Utah. He looked good. Led USC on one and a half good touchdown drives. I say one and a half because one of them was started in the red zone. But he led USC on two touchdown drives at Rice-Eccles Stadium. The offense looked better when he was running it for the two main drives that we saw, or the three drives, the two at Utah and the one at Stanford, which ultimately got zero points. But he's someone who is going to you know, play a factor here. I think a lot of people put the backup tag on Matt Fink, but considering how good the offense was able to function with him last year, how much of a chance does he have, do you think, to make a case this this spring? I think you got to give him a chance just because I'm with you. I thought there was something dynamic about his play in the in the brief cameos that we saw from him. Both Matt Fink and Jack Sears, when we saw them in 2018, made the case for how USC's offense could be that little bit more uh, interesting with a, a quarterback who is willing and able to take off and run. And Matt Fink obviously has that ability. He doesn't have the arm of the other two, so that's going to be a, an issue. But again, it comes down to impressing Graham Harrell. And Graham Harrell, if he feels like Matt Fink is is running the offense in the most efficient way, then I don't see any reason for Graham Harrell to not go with Fink as as his guy. The The trouble is going to be that He's going to have to outperform Jack Sears physically, and he's going to have to perform JT outperform JT Daniels mentally, and that's a tough ask. It's a really tough ask for, for Matt Fink. But at the same time, the air raid has turned limited quarterbacks into massive success stories. Left, right, and like everywhere across the country, teams that run the air raid are having a lot of success with quarterbacks who don't have the big arm, um, who just have the best feel for the system. So. You got to think he's on even footing in that sense where Graham Harrell doesn't necessarily need a physical specimen to go out there and run this offense well. Like I said, though, will Matt Fink be better at anything and everything than Sears and Daniels, like as far as the the spectrum of the skills that are going to be in USC's quarterback room this year? I don't know. I don't know. I think the tough part for both Sears and Fink is that you know, we can talk about how the offense looked better with them because they were mobile. I think that kind of misconstrues things a little bit because part of the reason why the offense looked better is because the offense 
was run in a way that played to their strengths. I don't necessarily think that that was just because they were mobile. I think that's because they made it easier on them. And with JT Daniels at quarterback, that wasn't the case. And the offense was a little bit more unpredictable. Right. By the very nature of having somebody out there who could run. Yeah, but they also made it easier on the quarterback. And the air right offense should make it easier for all of these guys, including Keaton Slovis, who we're going to talk about in a second. So I think that if you're JT Daniels, even though those other guys, you know, kind of thrived on what SC was running last year, they're running on a different system now. Um, Graham Harrell is not going to have the excessive confidence in JT that, say, T. Martin and Clay Helton both combined to have last year. So I think he's going to be less, you know, likely to go all in on just giving the keys to JT and letting him throw off his back foot deep whenever he wants to. Yeah, that that could be the great equalizer. But that also depends on the idea that Graham Harrell will have the, I don't, will have the almost fortitude to, to go out there and say that, that it's going to be a fair shot between the three, right? Because right. I I understand why USC is maybe invested in JT Daniels being the starter. Because you you got Jack Sears and Matt Fink to not transfer, at least at, at this point they haven't made the decision to transfer yet. But if you name if you name Fink the quarterback, then th- like the the idea that J- JT Daniels will sit behind him is really really I I just don't think it's plausible. And right. JT is the five-star guy. JT is the guy with all of these plaudits and everything like that. And and I think it's it's easy to sort of fall into the idea that, well, yeah, he's got to be the best of the bunch, uh, even though the other one, like, I guess every time you're doing an evaluation, you should be thinking, who is going to give you the best chance to win, right? But yeah. when when you have a player of JT's profile, I think you can get blinded by what qualities really do give you the best chance to win. Yeah, and I think it's going to be difficult in spring anyway, so that's why I my assessment of all this stuff, because the biggest battle for the quarterbacks, and this is something we're going to talk about in all these spring previews, is the biggest battle. The biggest battle here is Fink versus Sears versus Daniels, but out of all the battles on the team, this, in my opinion, is the one in which there will be no resolution. Because I don't know how there can be, because I think that so much of this spring is going to be about installation rather than results. And I think that when you're doing installation, I think all three of these guys um, are going to have their ups and downs in a different way than you would rather than having a true quarterback competition. That said, JT has a great camp. I think he can put a ton of distance between him, uh, Fink, and Sears. It's just a matter of him actually going out and doing that. Uh, let's talk about the fourth man in this, Keaton Slovis, who signed at USC in December. Three-star quarterback, the 26th-ranked pro-style quarterback out of Desert Mountain High School in Scottsdale, Arizona. A three-star guy who has an interesting upside, someone who didn't play a lot of high school football, 
but he was able to have a couple of solid years for Desert Mountain. He was coached by Kurt Warner. He's someone who has had a lot of praise from Kurt Warner, a Hall of Fame quarterback, but kind of feels like he's in that same mold of a Matt Fink, someone who, you know, is kind of in the valley between your five-star gets. SC got JT Daniels last year. They're going to get Bryce Young next year, the the five-star quarterback out of modern day. And that's kind of the way that you should do quarterbacks, right? You get your five-star and then a three-star, five and a three, five and a three, and you go back and forth. I think that allows, takes a lot of pressure off of Keaton Slovis because he can kind of develop at his own pace here, especially with Fink and Sears ahead of him. Yeah, Keaton Slovis gets to come in and just immerse himself in the learning process, which, like you said, takes all the pressure off. I think if you're Keaton Slovis, you're coming in here and and just hoping to to settle into college life. You're hoping to get a hold of the playbook and really learn from anybody that you can possibly learn from and know that you will not be called upon for action for at least two years. Uh, if not more, you get you, you gotta you, you get to sit and bide your time essentially until you even get a shot to even be put in the discussion of of a quarterback competition. But that's sort of it's very Matt Finky. It is very, very much a Matt Fink situation. Uh, and uh, Keaton Slovis is is a guy that I, if we have to talk too much about Keaton Slovis over the next couple of years, then that doesn't bode super well for for USC. Not 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 speaking against him in any sense of, in, in any sense, but he is very much a guy who's gonna gonna come in and spend the next couple of years as the scout team quarterback, learning, and that's exactly where uh, you would you would expect for a recruit of his profile. Yeah, either if we're talking about him a lot, it means that there were injuries or he completely outperformed Fink, Sears, and Daniels, which would be an indictment on them, I would have to assume. That would so. be quite a shock. It really would yeah. be. I mean, anything is possible, really, but it would be it would be quite a shock. Yeah. So that's the quarterbacks. Uh, I feel like we focus a lot on, on last year, more so than talking about what's going to happen in spring. But so much of it with these quarterbacks, I think, is a little bit difficult because... It's going to be a a spring that's in flux, installing the new system and everything. The bottom line is it's a battle between Fink, Sears, and Daniels, and all three of them kind of have a claim to fame here. Daniels has the upper hand because he started 11 games. Sears has the upper hand because he looked the best, all said. And Fink has the upper hand because he would have been the backup. And he was the number two guy, and he scored touchdowns on two of his three drives. So they all have something to feel good about going into this to this camp, I think. It's just a matter of, are they going to be impressive uh, to Graham Harrell? And will we even find anything out at the end of the day? I don't necessarily think we will, but I I think that you just want to see progress and you want to see them being able to grasp the offense for these guys. And for Keaton Slovis, no expectations here. None at all. Yeah, none none whatsoever. But I'm also with you. There will be no decision at the end of spring ball. Clay Helton's going to tell us that that this spring is not about competition, which I have a rant about for another time. Uh, but as much as this is going to be a, we're just trying to learn and, and develop and all this kind of the stuff this spring, the one thing I can tell you is this spring could resemble the Max Brown, Sam Darnold spring, or at least the, the theme of that spring, which is essentially either JT Daniels runs away with it, and it's pretty clear by the end of spring, even if it's not announced, or one of Fink and Sears keeps it so close that then you begin to wonder, well, maybe Daniels isn't the guy. It Maybe Daniels really could be unseated when fall camp comes around the way that Sam Darnold did that 
to to Max Brown. Yeah, they're, they're just jostling for pole position going into fall camp, which is what you'd want from your quarterbacks. Anyways, anyone saying, by the way, that SC needs to name a starter after spring camp, move on. One, that, that, that's never going to be a thing. One thing I will say, I don't want to see USC be in a position in fall camp again where they're splitting reps three ways because I don't think that helps anybody. Uh, the first week is a different story. I, yeah, I think can, that's fair. The, the first week is a different story. Maybe the, maybe the second week, depending on how things go. But by the third week or, or game week, I would agree with you. Early on, I think that's fine. But we'll see when we get there. Uh, that's going to wrap up the quarterback spring camp preview of our 10-part series if you are listening on Patreon, you guys are awesome for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed yet on Patreon, go do it. Patreon.com slash Brand of Troy. You can get all of our bonus episodes for as little as $5.55 a month. We've got a ton of bonus content, including these 10-part series. Uh, Alicia, you want to give us a final word? The final word is middle. As in, I'm excited to see USC's quarterbacks attack the middle of the field, possibly in the air raid maybe we could see it could potentially have two slot receivers on the field at the same time that would mean they could attack the middle of the field for sure or tight end yeah we'll see all right uh let's get to the running backs up next tomorrow until then we'll see you see you see you see you what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co.